0: In the midst of an ongoing writer strike and a potential actor strike around the corner, new show releases are becoming scarce. So today we dive into the season three finale of Max Comedy, the other two starring Drew Tarver and Elena York. I watched the finale. It's 44 minutes long. I didn't even know it was the finale when I tuned in. <laughs> it's 44 minutes? Mm-hmm, yeah, because
1: most of them are like 30 minutes. They had to wrap
0: everything back up. Did they up.
1: still do the cast interviews at the very end? Okay, so this is what we have to go into first.
0: So years ago in 2019, I think that's when the show first yes, came out, right? I watched an episode of it, I think you did too, mm-hmm. and the jokes didn't land, there were two unlikable leads um, that were trying to leech off their brother's success, and they'd end the shows with like an interview with the cast and the creators, and the whole thing was just mediocre too bad, in my opinion. So you didn't like the first season? I only watched a couple, I think only one episode, maybe two, but like, I was not expecting much going into this. Again, the writer's strike has led us into having to do shows that I wouldn't normally <laughs> think of doing, but... This was a surprising breath of fresh air. When did this
1: show get good? Actually, people have liked the show ever since it started. I mean, it's gone like the high 90%s on Rotten Tomatoes for like the first 3 seasons. In fact, I think the first season has 100%. Okay, I'm surprised, but this episode was funny, it was sad, it was sarcastic, it
0: was wholesome, and it's surprisingly well-grounded despite the the content is all about
1: these two people trying to make it into Hollywood, right? Yes. It's and supposed to be kind of a scathing critique of Hollywood and that type of culture. Yeah, but
0: they have the personalities of like the two siblings in Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. And you've got the guy who played Baxter in Bajillion Dollar Properties, Drew Tarver. Drew Tarver. I've yeah. seen him in uh, Comedy Bang Bang or heard him in Comedy Bang Bang. You've got Elena York. I don't exactly know where she's from.
1: Yeah, she was actually in The Good Fight uh, the night before the movie was Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. She even dated Bobby Flay back in 2016. Hmm. Okay. I'm not sure if that goes <laughs> on to her
0: acting credits, <laughs> but they're playing these two characters named Carrie and Brooke. And in the first season, like I said, they had their brother who was getting super famous, but he was... Like a, a, a Gen Z, uh, really young kid, and so they wanted to be their his agents or producers, and they would tag along to parties with him in Hollywood, and it would just be kind of sleazy. Like they wanted to be the entourage, but they were also like the older sibling entourage, so it was just cringy. Right. And, and I think that's what the joke. Yeah, Chase. Chase is the brother, right? Mm-hmm. And but but now it feels like in season three they've done a huge time jump because Carrie and Brooke are they're successful, you know? Yeah, Carrie right. is Carrie is waiting on news from his agent about an Oscar bait film that he's about to either produce or direct, and Brooke is about to win a Peabody Award for a
1: project that she produced with her mom and her brother, Chase. I think that this season even starts off with a movie premiere that either Carrie or Brooke is in, but okay. in that way it reminded me a little bit of Party Down, sure. also because you have Ken Marino in this, this show.
0: This episode reminded me of BoJack, uh-huh. it reminded me of Schitt's Creek, it reminded me of Party Down of Barry... And of Ted Lasso. wow.
1: That is not what I was expecting to hear. We'll think about the Hollywood connection. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. And there is a certain amount of seriousness in this episode. Not, not to kick it off. So they do split up the storylines between Carrie and Brooke here, which is nice. First, it's Carrie that we're watching for half the episode. But each sibling is super amped where their careers are at. They're so close to getting what they've always wanted, which is that fame, that popularity, that respect. Carrie is literally perched out in a tent in some park, waiting for a call from his agent, Mackenzie. And she's going to give him like the lowdown on what the movie details are going to be. Mm -hmm. And he lives there with his boyfriend, Lucas, who doesn't speak and has been apparently a method actor for a very long time. (laughs) He doesn't even know that he's Australian until later on in the episode. (laughs) But they're living on beans out in that park. Months are going by, seasons are changing. He's growing a beard, Carrie is. He's surviving on beans and his voicemails to his agent are just getting more and more frantic till he finally snaps and Googles her address and then makes the truck all the way out to the Hamptons to confront her because he's like, what has happened to my movie? Yeah. He gets there, it's the middle of the night and he starts screaming outside of Mackenzie's house. She opens the door. He's livid that she never got back to him after all these years. Turns out it's been one day. His beard (laughs) suddenly uh, disappears. (laughs) And then he looks at himself and he realizes it's only been one day. Those beans, the whole storyline was just in his head. And he's just a crazy motherfucker. (laughs) And so then the entire, it goes from being hilarious to the whole tone changing when Mackenzie gets mad back at him Uh. for all the stuff that she's done to help him. And Carrie just gets lambasted by her and deservedly because she isn't just living it out on the Hamptons. She lives there with her brother and her dying mom. And it just gets there's this turning point so early in the show a moment of clarity for Carrie who we've always been presented kind of like with his sister Brooke as being very selfish, very (laughs) self-involved, very egocentric. That's all they care about is their own fame, right? Yeah. And he, he immediately gets it that that is not he he wasn't in the right there and and he feels embarrassed and he wants to leave but she invites him inside because it's too late for him to catch a ride back to his uh to
1: his house in a tent. <laughs> yeah. I definitely understand what you mean when you say it's dramatic, the Bo Jack and Barry comparison because the people that created this, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider. Sarah Schneider
0: from College Humor, yeah. They
1: became, yeah, and I SNL. mean. Yeah, SNL. But also, uh, they both worked on different things that were kind of dramedies. Other people, which I think starred Jesse Plemons and maybe even Molly Shannon. Uh, Broad City, that was more a comedy. Molly but also, Shannon
0: plays the mom in this
1: show. Yes, but yeah, also Pat. then Master of None. I know Sarah Schneider worked on as well. Oh, okay. So, uh, like, I can see where you're talking Talking about the drama being infused in this show.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's really cool just to see um, uh, Drew Tarver like play a serious. I just never <laughs> see it in any of his roles. It's always a jokester type personality, right. and, and so he has this moment of Zen and he is no longer concerned as much about the movie. He even calls his mom and says he no longer needs the funding for it. And then he sees his, his, his uh, Lucas on the TV um, because Lucas is like running around naked and he's been stopped by the cops and now he's on TMC. <laughs> and apparently Lucas has been Australian the whole time and his mom shows up to collect him and he, he's, he's married. So Carrie realizes it's over. Then he goes to see his ex-boyfriend, who I think is another character who's been on the show for a very long time. And he makes amends with him because apparently he was a dick uh, for a while. And then he just goes off on the beach. He gets a phone call from his agent saying uh, that Harry Styles wants in on the movie, that they no longer need funding, that they're good to go. And then that's where we switch over to Brooke's storyline,
1: right? So it seems like everything is going well before you switch storylines. Yeah, but
0: you don't know exactly what's going to happen because he seems like he's kind of content just walking the beach Mm -hmm. so you don't know if he's going to go back towards the fame thing and have Harry Styles play him in a movie (laughs) I think Harry Styles because Harry Styles is gonna play gay in the movie and he's definitely gay in this show and I think he's gay in real life but the point is that uh yeah we switch over to Brooke's storyline and her hers is a little less anchored like I feel like the whole Carrie thing was like when it got serious it just felt really realistic because he was watching a woman die for a minute Um, But for her, she's, like, in her car in this, like, limo um, practicing her speech for the Peabody, her acceptance speech. Uh And um, she's fretting out that, like, now that she's famous, that the media are going to come after her and that her assistant, Melanie, is the one who has to, like, talk her down and say, that's that's not going to happen. Cut to these two dudes at BuzzFeed and at The Atlantic, like, manically (laughs) typing an article to tear someone down. So she gets to the red carpet and this person asks her, they're like, we've just gotten word that you, used to date the sexiest man alive. And it turns out they're talking about her boyfriend, I think, uh, Lance? Lance, yeah. Yeah. So Lance is a really funny character. We see him in a backflash at the beginning and he invents dabbing.
1: Wait, he and Ben Stabbing? Yes, like it's he shows 2013. It Newton? He's 2013 and
0: he's like meeting up with uh, Carrie and also um, Brooke and, and they're all hanging out. And, and he's just like, yeah, I love to do this move.
1: Josh Ceguera, Yeah, he plays Lance. Do you know where you've seen him from before?
0: Uh, no, I'm not sure, but it was funny.
1: Scream 6, he's the guy who extends the ladder. He was also in She-Hulk and in the Big Door Prize, he was a main character. He played Giorgio. Oh, he's the restaurant owner who, like, flirts with the wife. He's much funnier here because he plays stupid funny.
0: He's, yeah. like, he's just supposed to be a hot body that Brooke likes to have sex with all the time. So, anyways, uh, yeah, so she used to date him. And then she feels like she's been, uh, not vindicated, but she's very happy because she can accept her Peabody and everybody's going to love her. But that's when she overhears the other interviews going on with her mom and her brother, Chase. Chase being the big star. Right, right. And their tweets have been outed, the ones that they deleted a (laughs) long time ago. And they are really elitist and dumb and they just make them look like idiots Uh so obviously everything is falling apart at the seams and she and her family run into this room with Ken Marino because that's who's dating the mom's character I forgot what his name is Streeter (laughs) no it's Streeter like what is it like the last name is like Peter Peters Yeah,
1: Streeter Peter Peters that's his name in the show (laughs) and I'm
0: thinking Uh Streeter was the next college humor person
1: was that who it was named I was yeah I was gonna have a game with that but yeah Ken Marino's character is named Streeter after after Streeter from College Humor. And like you said, Sarah Schneider worked uh, on SNL with him. And yeah. so it was kind of supposed to be paying, I guess, homage to him. <laughs> yeah but anyways they're all there huddled up and uh freaking out about these texts or
0: these uh tweets that have gotten out and at this point um uh Brooke sends everybody uh all the people who aren't her family out of the room the agents and stuff even Wanda Sykes I think and she collects everybody's phone and she's like we can't deal with this right now but that's when the news comes on and we see Lawrence O'Donnell at MSNBC <laughs> reporting on the tweets and calling these people trash cans
1: of human beings I saw Lawrence O'Donnell in the credits for this plane himself yeah so Okay, you literally see a newscast with him. I And so Brooke, Brooke, uh, she's
0: really concerned about her Peabody. She just wants to be famous. So she leaves the room with her family just like freaking out. And that's when the family decides they need a fall guy. They look to Camerino. But before anything can happen with the street or getting called the fall guy, they see um, uh, Brooke get on the news with Lawrence O'Donnell. And in fact, she is doing kind of the mature thing and taking the fall for them. Hmm. She's their agent. And she says, all those tweets that came out, I actually wrote them. I'm the PR person. I'm the representation. They actually didn't want to tweet those things, and I forced them to. And so she's taking... And they take the Peabody away from her on the news, and also they ask her awkward questions like, so when your mom was going through a very public breakup, and she issued the tweet, uh, I miss your giant dick <laughs> to Ken Marino's character, Streeter, um, that was you. <laughs> she was like, yeah, 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 absolutely. I was actually talking about my boyfriend, Lance. And then Lance uh, affirmed it, even though he knew it was untrue. Can, so,
1: can we go back to Ken yeah. Marino's character for okay. a quick second? Mm-hmm. What is the difference between uh, not much? Studer Peter Peter and yeah, Ron Donald from Party Down.
0: Not much. He he plays the Ken Marino type, and that's what I like about it because we have the two main characters in this episode being rather mature and coming to grips with who they are and kind of growth growing. And everybody else around them is still stupid crazy, and so <laughs> it's it's a really good contrast to have. She takes responsibility for it. Her it's the end of her career. Her parents or her mom feels very bad her her brother thanks her chase thanks her and then we jump to
1: what is basically the ending scene which is them all going to a restaurant Oh, so the ending scene is her taking kind of the fall, or, or that's how the show is ending. It's, it's strange because it seems like with uh, Succession, even though this is very different from the <laughs> other two, it's always starting off with what seems like is going to be good news, right? Uh, Carrie is going to be gaining the movie. You said yourself that Brooke is going to be gaining the Peabody Award. And yet yeah, it seems like, at least with Brooke's storyline, that's completely gone now.
0: Yeah, however, Ken Marino's character Streeter does say that he may be getting a bunch of clients who want her as an agent from now on, but- But then she asks him about it, and he's like, no, that's not real. I just (laughs) want to make your mom feel better. Um, So they go and they meet at this restaurant. And the thing about the restaurant is it's like the rehearsal, the Nathan Fielder thing, where because they're so famous, they have to hire a bunch of extras to attend this place so that they can feel like they're a normal family (laughs) having a restaurant. And so... Everybody's seated down. Carrie walks up and sits down. You've got the whole family uh, there. Lance and um, uh, Brooke have gotten back together. In fact, they're having sex all the time. And then Carrie launches into his story about how he got the call about Harry Styles wanting to be in his movie, but then he hung up. And he didn't want that anymore. He felt like his purpose was different and that he just needed some time to be himself. And so he hung up the phone, he walked the beach, he ended up um, uh, renting one of the beach houses for like a week. And then he decided that he was gonna read a book And he did that. And then he started, it was just very peaceful. And he's describing this and you could hear his sister like excuse herself to go have sex with her boyfriend in the back. (laughs) Well, just voiceover while he's like, we're being shown him walking the beach and stuff. And then he meets up with these like dudes that he uh, used to work with who had like cast him in some role. And so he has some new connections there. And it just felt very... It, it, nice. like
1: so what they want. So basically, it's what they wanted in the end, at least for Carrie's storyline. He it, realized he really didn't.
0: It wasn't that he doesn't want fame. It's just that he thinks that he can get there in a more natural way now. like he's he doesn't need to be as greedy or selfish to get there, maybe. And then for her, at the the very ending scene is Ken Marino giving her streeter giving her a call and saying, yeah. So all those people that I said actually do want you as an agent because you play the fall person really well. So she gets a ton of new clients and then she ends the line with like, oh, so it's good to be bad. Wink at camera. And then wait, they, wait she
1: breaks the fourth wall.
0: Well, not exactly. But like you, you get the gist. And so she, everybody's life kind of turns out the way they want it to. It's a happy ending. Um, good for Sarah Schneider. Again, I didn't realize this was the finale for the entire show.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I do have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Because the reviews for this show, like I said, all three seasons, but especially season three, like season three, has just been across the board critical acclaim. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't be surprised if this was the
1: best episode of the series. I'm giving it an 8
0: out of 10, for uh, sure. 8
1: out of 10? Yes. Well, not 9 out of 10? It seemed like you enjoyed it. Well, what, I, I
0: absolutely, 5 out of 10 is average to me. So this is an mm. 8 out of 10. This is one of the highest uh, reviews that I give in just an episode. And it's not... Like I,
1: I want to grade it on a curve so that it's
0: like, as far as comedies go, it's really, really good, but
1: um, yeah. yeah it's Prime like... Timer, Slate, Variety, they talked about how it nails a pop culture like no other show, and then places like Slate even said that the other two fills the 30-rock-shaped hole in our hearts. Hmm. AB Club said the other two satires as sharp as ever. Like I said, season 3 has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. 7.8 on IMDb, the episode you watched has a 9.1. And even Stuff got done. Chris yeah. Kelly and uh, Sarah Schneider actually were named on Culture, like one of the best comedians upon top 50 comedians to watch in 2014 even though they're not
0: actually siblings They did like base a little bit off themselves, right?
1: Yes, okay. right The thing is though is that I think on a lot of people's minds was is there going to be a season four it seemed like it was going to be that way until June 28th the day before the finale and people tracking the story will know what I'm talking about There was a HR complaint an HR news story broke about Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider their attitude and kind of how they treated people on set oh, no. was seen I even said as good for sure. Yeah they, they were it definitely did not paint them in a good light and because hmm. of that the show ended was it written up by being, the Atlantic or BuzzFeed? <laughs> it was it, a ton of publications came out I know, saying it but it'd be funny if the show that or the place that they were like
0: bitching about in the show <laughs> ended up being the one that took them down.
1: To be fair yeah. it, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider said that they ended the episode how they always envisioned it but whenever you look up the story it seems like every place is saying that the show Show got cancelled because of the uh, news story that broke. Interesting. I know, That's
0: really, really recent.
1: I know that Elena York even said at the very beginning of this season uh, when they asked her if the writers had, like, run out of ideas, she was like, I hope not because that would mean the end of the show. And so and also it was never branded as, like, the series finale or the final season. Uh-huh. So for that, I think that there was plans to maybe make it in the future, at least leave the door open. But as of now, yeah, the season 3 finale is cancelled and I can't see the show ever really coming back, which is sad because of how much it seemed like people really enjoyed this show. Again, it was picked up by HBO Max, I think, from the second season onward. I just like the episode. I don't know if the show's any good. Um. Hmm. And uh, and also, great. Elena York, apparently uh, filming for this season was supposed to take place way sooner, but they had to wait months, like a months of uh, delay because she got pregnant. Hmm. So so it's funny because the first season came out in 2019. The second season, yeah, because of while. COVID-19, yeah. uh, came out in 2021, and then the third season came out in 2023, and I know that that was annoying for the cast and crew, because Case Walker, again, that's the person who plays Chase, was supposed to be 16 in the TV series? no, he has grown up for sure, but, like, also
0: the premise of the show used to be more about him, I think, and then it did become about the other two. Like, he was always the one that they were trying to follow around, and then by this episode, he was literally just one of, like, the side characters, and Molly Shannon and Ken Marino, they both seem to be bigger factors. Was there a song
1: used in this finale? Like, over the ending credits? Yeah. I yeah. mean,
0: there were several songs, but yeah, there was a song that was playing out while Carrie was explaining the end of his uh, show. Okay.
1: Thing. So, specifically, that one was actually written by Caitlin Tarver, who is Drew Tarver's sister in real life. Oh, and, and he after... also sings, so that's funny. Yes, he had <laughs> his own musical number, correct? Yeah. That's yeah. what people were talking about. Apparently, this show I went... mean, he's the one who does the car thing, the truck song in Comedy Bang Bang too. so he also does, like... Uh... <laughs> Well, this this show went apparently really crazy in the third season, like super surreal. There was an episode where Brooke turns invisible and no one can see them at all. And then they even did an episode show. They did an episode that was shot in black and white. And then uh, like Carrie Dubek gets a musical number. But yeah, that's what I
0: mean by the tone totally shifted from the normal, like bad comedy that it was at the beginning. So I yeah. Okay, for, for, the, cool.
1: for the ending song, yeah. They had just finished rapping for Season 3 and Caitlin Tarver sent Drew Tarver just to get feedback on some demos for her songs and then he was like, this is so good and then he pitched it or he gave it to Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider and they were like, oh yeah, let's use this for the ending song. Apparently Caitlin Tarver is actually about to go on a world tour soon. Hmm, so, cool. so yeah.
0: Who's she fronted for? Like, uh, Justin Bieber or something? <laughs> Alright, well thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.
1: Bye.